we look at diversity. What is that? Diversity. Um, it traditionally was diversity of thought, diversity of background, of position. But today, diversity means uh, I need two more blacks and a couple of Asians. Uh, it's superficial. It's so that we look like we're diverse. And diversity is a good thing, uh, but competence is better. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind-the-scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features, where we're creating movies about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective. You can learn more about us and our filmmaking ministry by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. It's also a great place for you to make that one-time or monthly donation as we are independent filmmakers on a mission to share truth and we rely on donations to make these films, this podcast possible. You mean our dark money? Our dark money. That's where. So the, thank the you. Big mystery. I right now. I want to say okay. So, <laughs> so I'm Amber Archer. This is my husband Mark Archer. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Mixmaster Mark, thank you. We're a husband and wife team, and so recently, if you don't know, if you're just joining us, uh, we just released our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters, for screening partners across the U.S. Mm -hmm. And now people are starting to catch on and they wonder who funded this film. Oh, they're sneaky. They're on it now. So I just want to say, I want to say 100% thank you to all of our donors. You are making an impact, not only in America, but overseas in the U.K., Canada as well. Mm -hmm. So we thank you. For helping us share the truth. Thank you for your dark money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, are, we are the bright light shining in the darkness. You know, and it's the thing that always cracks me up is I get really tired of people on the conservative side of things giving so much credit to the left and saying, well, they're very smart. They're very smart. No, they're not very smart. They're very wicked. Yeah. They're, the wicked are crafty. That's not mm. smart. If they were smart... They would be on the right side of things. Right. But they're not. They're evil. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when I, it's just, it cracks me up. I, I, I say this all the time. These people reveal themselves for the morons that they are all the time. Why are you afraid of them? Yeah. These, so just this whole notion of people online, you know, there's this big mystery and they're going to get to the bottom of it. Right. Who funded these people? Right. Who funded this film? Oh. Listen to me. Listen to me. How many people donated to this film? 72 people helped make 72 this 72 people. There's your dark money. Okay. That's all there is to it. And two people who said, yes, Lord, we will go. We will do this. There's your answer. I know that's not the answer that you want. I know you want to You de just desperately have to connect this <laughs> to some you know, alt-right cause? Well, or, well, you know. and, it, well, and it's interesting. Uh, so it's interesting because you know that they're looking for reasons to cancel you. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Um, so when you don't play in their space, that's, that's not fair. Don't don't play in their space. Okay. Just don't even give them any ground. Okay. So, so anyway, so today, so we got a special, special edition today because we are going to play uh, part one of a two-part from a recent panel discussion that we had. So the movie was shown recently here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then the following day, there was a panel discussion with 
ourselves and Micah Beckwith, who's a pastor down near Indianapolis. Um, Who was the first pastor to show the film in his church. We we piloted the film in his church. World premiere. Yep. And um, former Attorney General Curtis Hill. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Peter Scare. Yes. Of Concordia Theological Seminary. Yes. And Rhonda Miller of Purple for Parents. Rockstar panel. Yeah. And so, then there's us. And then there's us. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be a two-part. It's long, so that's why we're breaking it up into two parts for you guys. But it's interesting. Uh, the whole the whole thing was pretty fascinating because it, for, it the, the whole panel was basically pitched as, you know, critical race theory and parental rights. Mm-hmm. And what it quickly turned into from the audience was everything about the transgender movement and mm-hmm. what's going on and just you know behind the scenes this is a behind the scenes of our filmmaking ministry we're we're already researching for our next documentary mm-hmm. and it's all it deals with transgenderism and the whole the whole gamut oh no did you just give it away did i give it away that's okay are we allowed it's fine okay <laughs> It's fine because our dark money sources yeah. have already given us our trillions. So <laughs> we're just moving ahead. Yeah, and, and if you and if you're new, so so the mind polluters took us 14 months to make. Mm-hmm. And so we have just started this journey of the next documentary. So this one too will take probably 14 to 16 months to mm-hmm. make. So if you'd like to contribute and make this an awesome, <laughs> awesome film, we would appreciate your help. We'll do an official announcement. At some point, but you know, yeah, for now, yeah, unofficially, yes, we're, we're working on the next film already. Yeah. So. so we also want to give a special shout out to Dr. Tyler Johnson, who is running for Indiana State Senate. And he is the one who put together the screening at Central Ministries uh, the night before this panel discussion and organized everything to ha- make this panel discussion happen. So he is is very big in education. And we just want to thank him for putting this together and now allowing all of you to listen in. So the purpose of Tonight, as most of you know, is just to highlight some things that we've been kind of uh, noticing on this journey on our campaign. Probably the number one question I've gotten is about these topics. And so we're talking about some very controversial issues in schools. I hear everything from it's everywhere to it's nowhere, right? So it's kind of an interesting discussion. And so I've talked with a lot of parents. I've talked with a lot of school teachers. Um, I get anything from you know, anger to let's look into it more, right? And so it's kind of an interesting conversation. So I thought, what better way to kind of look into that further by bringing together some people who really understand this topic. They're all people I really look up to and um, they they understand where things are at. Um, we have a good panel of people. Uh, Dr. Scare on the end there is with Concordia uh, Theological Seminary, a very good guy. Um, very principled man, so I appreciate him. Uh, Mark and Amber Archer are with Fearless Features. We spent time at the other campus last night watching their documentary uh, called The Mind Polluters, and um, there'll be another opportunity on the 25th. Um, it's a Friday at Concordia to watch that. Again, I would encourage anybody to look that up and go. It's very eye-opening, very interesting, and actually very well done. Um, they also produced uh, Inwood Drive, which was a documentary about 
uh, uh, Klopfer and the abortion clinic in town here. And um, if, if you haven't seen that, you have to go see that. It's very, very, uh, um, it, it kind of hurts to watch a little bit and it, uh, but it's very impactful. Um, Rhonda Miller's with Purple for Parents. She's been at the forefront of this conversation and fight, uh, president and, uh, very, very knowledgeable and understanding. And there's a lot of people across the state that know her name. So it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, she's very well spoken and very understanding of all this and very much appreciated for her conversation over the last several years. Micah Beckwith, a good friend and former congressional candidate. Uh, he's a pastor at uh, the Noblesville campus of Life Church and um, down south and um, very, very outspoken guy that has a very great podcast. Um, and it, if you guys want to look him up, your information's on the back table there if anybody wants to look further into that. And then our former attorney general will be just joining us here in a few minutes. Uh, Curtis Hill is our 43rd uh, attorney general, has been at the forefront of a lot of these conversations over the years. And so thought it would be an interesting to have somebody who understands the law and the nature of things with that during the conversation. Really, I would like how this to run. I would like you guys to bring as many questions as you can to the forefront of what's on your mind and have them answer them. I think that's a great, uh, great way to kind of get those things, um, answered. And our, uh, good former attorney general is just right on time here for his cue. He's going to set this up a little bit. Um, he knows how to make an entrance. Yeah. So I'm going to pass the mic off to him because he's uh, he's up next. He's going to kind of lay out what's been going on here. I am. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's great to see everyone. I took a wrong turn. I went to the Leo school, but I'm here now. Hey, it's wonderful to see everyone. Um, this is a great opportunity to chat a little bit about uh, uh, some of the problems that we're facing these days. Um, we're here because we all want to see our children educated properly. Uh, and we're concerned about what's out there in the world today. Uh, we're here, uh, these panelists are going to talk a little bit about CRT, SEL, uh, talk about some other matters. And one of the things that I think is important for us to understand, we're all very worked up on the curriculum uh, at our schools and what's coming. But folks, this has been here for quite some time. And for those who say, oh, it's not really here, uh, you can't find it on the curriculum, there's a couple different ways we work in education. There's curriculum, that's what, there's what's taught, and then there's how it's taught. So you can have something that comes under the guise of mathematics, and you can teach it in a different way. So we really have to pay attention. I know that um, from my perspective, it's, it's, it's always important to understand where these things come from. And, I, and I'll give you a, 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 brief, a brief background of my expertise in education. I've got five children who have been educated. And the primary educator were their parents. One of the things that you'll be hearing about today, parental rights, and we hear a lot about parental rights, parental rights. I don't talk a great deal about parental rights. I talk about parental responsibility. I'm not talking about what parents feel are obligated to them. It's about responsibility. It's about what you engage in. Uh, at my house, we had five children. And um, I'm always proud to say that my children uh, were pretty high in class rank. I had the number one student, the number three student, the number five student, the number six student, and the number 18 student. But number 18 had a great personality. <laughs> 
But I'm, uh, I'm, I, I also want to let you know, I'm joined here tonight by my number one student, my oldest daughter, Hallie. Hallie, stand up so everybody can say hi to you. Hallie was the valedictorian in her high school class after skipping seventh grade. She's brilliant. But it wasn't school that did it. It was her mother who was reading to her when she was in the womb. It was about the attention that her parents put into their, to their young lives. So that's very important. What is CRT? Critical race theory. People get all worked up into it. And, and the problem that we have with critical race theory or critical theory in, in any event is the fact that we're talking about everything being based upon race. Everything being based upon race. And if it's critical sexual theory or critical you name it, it's about emphasizing one thing over all things. And what we want to do in our school system, is that, is that the appropriate place for us to land in our school systems? Well, obviously, many of us say no, it's not. But we're facing, really, is a format of social justice. Uh, this so-called social justice has been around for quite some time, and I don't know about you, I don't think that we should have adjectives describing justice. I don't think that we should have social justice, racial justice. We should have justice and adjust to that justice accordingly. But that's what society has become. It has become uh, an area where we emphasize and focus on race and race is being used as a weapon. And so most of you get into the, into the mode where you have to remain silent on these issues. Why? Because if you say the wrong thing, you are a what? A racist. Or if you try to have a conversation about sexuality, about transgender, I can tell you, I don't understand or know a lot about it, so I'd like to have a conversation. But if you even have a conversation that's anything less than full acceptance, you are a bigot. And that's just plain wrong. So hopefully through the panel discussion tonight, we can talk a little bit about some of the concerns we have, maybe answer some questions, and really get to the bottom line of what we can do to move forward, because these are things that we need to put halts on, not because we're mean-spirited people, not because we're angry people, but because we believe in America, we believe in the ideal of America, and the America that's free. But in that freedom, we have to accept and choose responsibility on how we operate. We have to require that our legislative leaders listen to our concerns and take our concerns to the state house and act appropriately. So let's not focus so much on what is our right, let's, let's focus on what is our responsibility as we move forward. We're hopeful to take some great questions. Uh, I don't know if you kind of warned everybody, but we're not taking stupid questions. <laughs> uh, and if you get into a soapbox, you might likely get cut off. You've got some great people here from uh, various walks, so take advantage of the opportunity to ask some good questions and learn about what you can do to get things accomplished, to move forward, to push freedom, to push an agenda where our children are learning great academics and learning about freedom and learning in the way that God created us for. So thank you very much, and let's get started. Thank you. Thank you. So I would, and we're going to go right into questions. So if 
you can keep it brief, that'd be great. So we have plenty of time for everybody to be heard. Um, I'll bring a mic to you if you want to do it that way. If you want to hand me a card and I can read it for you, that'd be fine too. Um, who's brave enough to go first? Yeah, there was a new story yesterday about uh, Fort Wayne Community Schools opening up and welcoming uh, parents into the school to look at the curriculum. And I wonder if that's a step in the right direction or if it's a smokescreen or, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? I would just say if they're allowing you to come in and look at the curriculum, I would jump at the opportunity. Um, I would pay attention to certain buzzwords and make sure you're seeing all of it. And I know that's hard to do because a lot of times we know schools are hiding um, some of the more in-depth details that they don't want the parents to see. So you're going to want to make sure you, you're paying very close to what you are getting and dig deeper if you feel you need to because they are hiding a lot of the details. But I would absolutely jump at the opportunity to go in. Just where is all this transgender stuff coming from? Is it from another country? Is it from within this country? What? Well, I, I can, let me first start off by just addressing it from the spiritual realm. I think as a pastor and we're in a church, so I'd be remiss if we didn't, if we didn't look at what was going on spiritually. I remember about 15 years ago, I was, uh, I was doing youth ministry around the country and, and I saw the next generation beginning to wake up in their identity of who God was calling them to be, you know, young men stepping into the godly authority that God had given them, young ladies being the beautiful Proverbs 31 woman that, that we see in scripture. And it was, it was probably about 15, 20 years ago. And then a few years after that, I, I started hear, seeing and hearing all of this like transgender confusion stuff that's going on in the public schools. And I'm like, what is going on? I asked the same question. I said, Lord, where is this coming from? Like, is it the media? Is it, is it another country? Like what's happening? And the Lord said, Micah, this is a, a demonic assault on the next generation. He said, if they don't know who they are in the physical realm, they will never know who they are in the spiritual realm. And I think that was what, you know, the devil is, he's reactive. The devil never does anything proactively. He always sees what God is doing and he tries to stop it. And what God is doing is waking up Americans to the identity that God has called them to, to have. You, you are, if you're, a, if you're a man, if you're, you were made in the image of God, you were, you're called to be the authority of your home. You're called to walk with a power and a boldness. If you're the woman, you're made in the image of God and you're called to be the nurturer. You're called to raise the kids. You're, you're called to, to really, you know, be that, that, that loving arm of, of Christ. And I think, I think what's happening from a spiritual realm is that you're seeing the devil confuse so many young people. And if they don't know who they are in the natural, in the physical form, then they will never come to know who they are in the spiritual. So I think, I think that's, the, that's the real cause behind this. But what's driving it then is the schools and the media and all of the, this acceptance. It just seems like a blind acceptance is happening right now. Everyone's saying, well, if you feel that way, if you want to be a tree, well, then you're a tree. If you want to be a, you know, if, whatever you want to be, that's what you can be. And there's nobody... It seems like in culture, in the secular progressive movement, standing up and saying, this is crazy. This is nonsense. Because the moment they do, they get labeled, like Curtis was saying, a bigot. So I think that's kind of maybe at the core. Hopefully that's not too spiritually deep. And, but I don't know what you see from, a, from kind of the natural perspective in the schools and things like that. You guys are more equipped to address that. So I would say from an educational perspective, um, you need to understand that big global entities are pushing this down through the schools. And so back in 2001, um, Lilly Pharmaceutical, Lilly Endowment actually teamed up with the Gates Foundation and implemented the, laid the groundwork for what became social emotional learning. 
And so when a lot of our schools competed across the state for the Lilly Endowment that um, brought that grant money into the schools, um, what happened was in, in uh, 2019, I think it was, our school then uh, passed a referendum that included mental health counselors. And so I knew something was amiss, and I waited until after the referendum passed. I tried to fight back against it, and I went after the open records. And I'm telling you, I, that's where I uncovered the devil in the details, because what happened was, through that grant money, they brought a radical back here from San Diego State named Trish Hatch. And through hatching results trainings that all of our schools were going to, um, they were incorporating everything American School Counselors Association training. And so I dug into that. And so when I, when I found that, I found their position statements. And so that is where the devil's in the details. So our schools were being trained to backdoor the gender ideology, the queer theory, if you will, and the transgender movement through those position statements. And in that, they will incorporate and advocate and affirm your child if your child becomes confused of who they are because of the curriculum and the, and the books and the, the lessons that they're given in the schools. They're confusing those kids with their gender. And then as soon as, as, soon as they confuse them, then they are affirming and advocating for them without your knowledge or your consent. And I'm telling you what we're seeing on a national scale is we are seeing schools that are overriding parental authority and they are sending the children for services that will transi transition the child. And I think it's a very imperative that when you understand that and you've done your research and you know the path that the schools are forcing on the kids, it's important to understand that when the, when the schools advocate for your children to be transgender, they are essentially advocating for sterilization of children because that is what it leads to. I could add, I could add briefly just historically where this comes from. Starts in 1948, 1953 with Alfred Kinsey, professor at Indiana University. He's the one that first gave everybody this notion of the gender fluidity, the Kinsey scale, sexual from birth. Um, and then one of his protégés, if you will, was a man by the name of Dr. John Money, who in the late 50s through the uh, late 70s uh, wrote extensively and infiltrated uh, into academia. And he was the one that first put, coined this term. He's the one that, that said that gender and um, sex are different. So that's where it came from. So it was Kinsey and then John Money. John Money was just as much of a fraud as, as Alfred Kinsey was. So it's a short history lesson of where it comes from. And based on that idea that children are sexual from birth and they can be whatever they want is what formed the foundation for the sexual grooming of our children in the schools. So they go hand in hand, but. My, but Mark is right. They, the, historically, it started with Alfred Kinsey. I've been seeing ads online about this sex ed summer camps for third to fifth graders in Indianapolis. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we were tipped off yesterday morning, um, sent a link to her uh, in Eventbrite on her summer camp. And this is not unusual. I had um, for these camps to take place this time of year. They start advertising for them. They'll send them away over the summer. I've seen it many, many times before. Um, and so the startling thing about that was it was it was third to fifth grade. 
So she was obviously um, felt comfortable enough to advertise this camp for children to teach them comprehensive sex ed, which um, it, comprehensive sex ed is based on Kinsey rape and torture of children to determine their, their sexual from birth. That's why they have to start so young. So yes, we, we did find out about it. She was doing it. And when we exposed it within less than an hour after we launched the post, um, I sent it, I was got it, I got received a text and said, she took it down. Well, she took it down and she hid or, or locked the link up for the camp. It's now password protected. So we're assuming she's still intending to do it because the link is still out there. Yeah, I was sent it last night um, after I had an interview with National Review. And so we're, we've already sent the information to the Attorney General's office. We've sent it to the state police. I don't know what, if anything, they can do. Curtis might be able to answer that. But um, that she needs to be investigated in some sorts because when you're sexually grooming children with, with the things that she's doing that are on her, on her public page, um, it's very, very disturbing. And any, personally, any parent that sends their child to that kind of camp, um, I, would, I would question them. Why would you send your child to a camp where she's going to teach them how to put on condoms? She's going to talk about dildos. Um, she's going to, and I'm just going to be honest with you. This is, this is, this is com uncomfortable stuff that we're going to talk about. Okay. Um, but this is what she's doing for third and fifth graders. Now the curriculum that she's using, um, we, our organization works with a national coalition. And so I knew they had already dug into many of the, of the curriculum. And so I went to their page and I pulled up that curriculum and I launched this curriculum actually starts in kindergarten, kindergarten and first grade. Kindergarten, first grade, fourth and fifth, and I think it's seventh and eighth and tenth and twelfth, if I remember right. And there's different uh, rubrics that we posted so that parents could understand what each of these entailed and what is in the hidden in that curriculum. And it, much of it's pornographic. I mean, I was reading through it last night, and I'm like, oh my word, this is worse than the books, or just as bad as the books that we're finding. So yes, we do know about it. We did expose it. We are working to see what we can do about getting her investigated. It's gone national. Um, there's there's several national networks. In fact, it. Tonight, I was sent a link, um, an email from Daily Wire wanting um, our comment on it um, because she came after us after we launched it. That's okay. Um, she doesn't need to be exposing children to pornographic sex ed. I'd just like to know, I also heard about binary. Uh, zero, one, you know, the binary code. People, not, people say that they're not male or female. They're binary. Have you heard that? You're talking about... Binary, non-binary? Yeah, that's all part of the homosexual agenda. It's, it's um, and it goes back to John, John Money. He was the one that, that first started teaching people that gender is not the same as biological sex. He's, he's the one that conducted the famous twins experiment where uh, there were twin boys that one of them was uh, basically castrated by accident um, when he was eight months old. And so they, John, uh, the parents contacted John Money and he said, you should just go ahead and raise that boy as a girl. And, and the, the concept that he was talking about was nurture over nature. And it was this, this grand experiment that he built his career on. So all of that comes from that's where all that comes from. And, and incidentally, in the end, the 
grand experiment, the twins experiment failed miserably. They both killed themselves over the, the uh, sexual abuse that John Money put them both through. So, I will just add to that that there are lessons that they're using in the classroom. And those of you who have seen the mind polluters have seen this, but they use the illustration of butterflies and they'll give the children one butterfly that'll be blue and they'll, that's the male butterfly. And then another, another butterfly will be orange. And so they will talk about this in class. And then what they will do is they will send them back with a blank butterfly and they'll have them color it and they can be whatever they want to be. But they also pull out a, a non-binary binary butterfly mixed. And so they will explain to them how you can be whatever you feel like identifying that day. And so they can change their butterfly from day to day as they go through this lesson and they can be whatever they want. And that opens the door um, for a lot of different things. And that's very alarming because now what we're seeing is it's escalated yet to now kids are identifying as animals. And I'm I'm aware that some of you probably had that over here. We've heard it's over here. Um, we know it's in various schools across the country, and even the smallest of communities have these kids des uh, dressing as furries, is what they call them, with ears and tails. Uh, could you talk a little bit about the origins of culture race theory? I understand that it traces back to the cultural Marxism in the Frankfurt School. Yeah, Marx... This is Marxism that we are dealing with, and we've talked a lot about the gender thing so far, and uh, critical race theory and the gender madness, madness are really like siblings in the same family, and they're meant to tear down our society and uh, piety that we have towards God, towards the country, towards family. So if you look at Black Lives Matter, it's an amazing document because um, it's not really about race. It's about patriarchy, which is fatherhood. And if you look at you know, the one thing that really our families are lacking, it's fathers. It's a much greater predictor of a person's uh, success by far than is anything like race. So if you look at uh, Marxism, it didn't work because... Karl Marx wanted to divide the world between the producers and the proletariat, the, the, the ruling class, the elite, and uh, the workers. But it didn't work because places like America are prosperous. We like our money, and you know it's better than living in communism. So how can you divide us? And it was uh, Antonio Gramsci who first came up with this idea. He was an Italian philosopher. So this takes us back to the 30s. And um, he said, instead of trying to divide people um, it, by uh, money, uh, let's do it in another way. He said, what we've got to do is take over the institutions of a, of, of a country. And that's why we see the school system. We have people here just right there on top of things in the school system. Got to take over the schools. And you got to take over the churches. So in many of our church bodies, I don't care whether it's the Catholic church and the Lutheran church, in our evangelical churches, there are great battles taking place in uh, the Baptist church, the SBC, the Methodist church is dividing, the Lutheran church, the Catholic church, because this is a cultural Marxism that's taking over the churches as well. We've seen they've already taken over um, big business. So we thought, you know, capitalism would be on the side of the republic. And that's not true anymore. So yeah, it is cultural Marxism, and it's the 
the taking down of the institutions. And uh, Marxism is an ideology. It's a jealous lover, and it has no right, will take no rivals. So the family is the enemy of the Marxism. Fathers in the family are the enemy of Marxism. The church is the enemy of Marxism. And they've got our schools. And I don't know. You know, courage is a muscle, and you guys should go to every school board meeting. But if I were a parent now, I don't even know if you can salvage it, whether you can send your kid to a public school. And even your Christian schools, you better watch out. Homeschooling is on the rise. But uh, I think, um, as been said before, this is a spiritual battle. And right now, I would say we're losing. I would add to that that it's, it's fairly innocuous in how it comes out. Um, they don't hit you over the head with it. They, they, they slide terms like inclusion, diversity, and equity. And that's now the mantra in this country. Uh, we have to include. And, and that sounds really good. And uh, we want to be inclusive. But I'm, I'm reminded of T-ball. Now, fortunately, when I was a baseball player, it was before they had T-ball. So I didn't have to go through that misery. But those of you who've had children who've gone up to play T-ball, you swing at the bat forever. We need to include everybody. Everybody gets to play. Well, guess what? You don't get to take the trophy home if everybody gets to play. Um, that's the reality. And so what we're learning with this inclusion standard, uh, whether it's in our schools or in our community or in our businesses, um, we want to let everybody in, but we're, we're foregoing excellence. And inclusion is a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I'll take excellence over inclusion any day of the week. We look at diversity. What is that? Diversity. Um, it traditionally was diversity of thought, diversity of background, of position. But today, diversity means uh, I need two more blacks and a couple of Asians. Uh, it's superficial. It's so that we look like we're diverse. And diversity is a good thing, uh, but competence is better. And if you look at equity, what's equity? Well, equity sort of means that everybody gets the same thing no matter what they put into it. That's just not how we were taught. Now, there's a big difference between equity and equal. And we all are believers in freedom and the, the equality of opportunity. But once you get that opportunity, then the rest is up to you in terms of where you go from there. So this concept of equity, it sounds good, but I prefer freedom. Freedom to soar, freedom to fail, freedom to do my thing. My freedom ends where your freedom begins. And from there, we want as little law in it as we can possibly muster to change that direction in case we kind of get in front of each other. That's what freedom is all about. So when you look at big businesses now, uh, uh, insisting on having a, an equity person or, a, or a, an inclusion person, all they're doing is checking the box. You know why they're checking the box? They're afraid. They're afraid. Some of you are afraid. They're afraid of being characterized as a racist. So what's the easiest thing to do? Well, we'll go ahead and check this box, and we'll show that we're into inclusion and equity and diversity, and we'll hire this person. But that doesn't address the, the, the issues. When we look at critical race theory, it's easy to dismiss it and say, well, we just don't want this stuff. Be careful about that, because one of the dangers here is what can we do to keep everyone divided, everyone fighting, everyone angry? 
What can we do to get a group of white citizens to come into a church and talk about how angry they are about critical race theory and then let the black citizens know that they're over there talking about that? And you know what? Those white people don't want to talk about race. Well, that's wrong. We do have a tragic racial history in this country, and we need to talk about it. We need to understand it. We need to deal with it. We need to face it head on. But we need to face it head on in our homes, with our families, um, with full knowledge of how those discussions ought to run and operate and not just a check the box mentality. And I think one of the things I've seen too with next generation is they're driven by their feels. So it's like all feeling based and it's what's it's bleeding into this, to the mainstream. And now corporations like you've heard are, it's all about the heartstrings and, and man, if we feel this way, then it has to be true. And we got to really guard ourselves from being, uh, being pigeonholed in the debate uh, and arena because feelings can trump logic very easily if you don't know how or, or what you're dealing with. And, 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 you know, they always say if you're a liberal or if you're 20 years old and not a liberal, you have no heart. But if you're 40 years old and not a conservative, you have no brain. Uh, and so I think as people get older, they start to, they start to think, okay, wow, these feelings weren't necessarily true. And life has taught me this, but the problem that we're going to run into if we don't if we don't if we don't stand up to the feelings in a in a well thought out strategic way in our nation by the time these 20 year olds are 40 year olds they're going to be communists and and we won't have a republic anymore and so you know I think our charge as parents is we've got to get in between kind of this communist Marxist agenda and the feelings of our kids. Because if the Marxists can get to the kids and they can say, oh man, but don't you feel like inclusion is so important? And, and they're going to they're gonna say, yeah, yeah, we want to be included. Okay, well that means we got to let everything in to the sheep's pasture. Even the wolves, even the wolves come in. Like let the, let the communists come in. Let's, let's undermine everything our culture has ever stood for. Judeo-Christian principles uh, out the window because... That's not inclusive enough, right? If we don't stand in the way of feelings in a strategic way, then we're not going to have a republic in 20 years. And that's what I'm seeing. We're losing the battle on that front. So, so learn kind of how, what those, those words, those key words are that they use when it comes to, to, uh, to, to uh, rallying up emotion like diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like sounds good. Sounds real good until you dive into it and you're like, wow, this is not what it it claims to be. You know, I feel like I'm 35. <laughs> and I feel like I'm a 55-year-old black guy. <laughs> <laughs> we can get away with that, can't we? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. If I look like you and I'm 55, I'll be a happy camper, man. So are you 55? <laughs> a little older. You are? How old uh, are you? I'm 60. You're 60 S years 61. old? 61? But I'm going 35. There you go. Okay, so that's good. Because that's I, good. If, if, if a guy can say he's a woman, I, I can say I'm 35. <laughs> are you a 35-year-old woman now? Is that what you're trying oh, to tell everyone? Curtis, stay out of our bathroom. <laughs> See, that's how, that's how absurd this starts to get. Because the, the, the reason that I can't feel like I'm 35 and claim to be 35 is because I'm not 35. <laughs> We have an attack on the objective truth. And that's a very, very troubling concept. It's not that we want to be mean. And, and, and we can often be characterized, oh, you're, you're not being compassionate. Here's a, ladies and gentlemen, I'll bet you I can go through this crowd and almost get with 100% accuracy which one of you are men and which one of you are women. <laughs> Okay, wait, you said almost. So who is the, the who is the one that you're questioning right now? I don't want to say. 
But I'll bet you I could do that because we're really not talking about a big, big, big problem. We're talking about something. There are, you know, in all candor, there are people who have problems in that area, a confusion over their sex. And, and, and we need to make allowances and considerations for folks of that nature. But this whole idea of choice, of the idea that you can select your, uh, uh, your sex. I, I heard a story of someone who said that there was a woman who she didn't want her little girl to be uh, uh, pigeonholed into being a girl. So she, uh, one day she'd let her play with trucks and the next day she'd give her dolls. The next week she'd give her trucks and the next week after they'd give her dolls. And so she came home one day and found the trucks were all wearing clothes. <laughs> That's the kind of absurdity that you get in this kind of a situation where you're saying this is a choice to make. Um, but it's important that we stand up and characterize it for the absurdity that it is and be counted and not be shy about taking that position. You know, the scriptures talks about this. It says in the last days, everyone will do what's right in their own eyes. There's no objective truth in those days. And that's what we're seeing happening bit by bit, chipping away at truth, objective, absolute truth. And that's what we got to push back on. We got to stand and say, no, this is true. And this is right. This is wrong. And we're not going to back down. You can call me any name in the book, but we're not backing down from truth. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We respect your time. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, be sure to come back tomorrow for part two, because we're going to release this tomorrow morning mm -hmm. because we don't want to wait until next week. So we started off light and easy. This was the civil part this was the, yes. of the discourse. Tomorrow <laughs> is the not so civil part. Some sparks fly later on yeah. in this panel discussion. So be well, sure to join us tomorrow. Yeah, we'll give you a little sneak peek here. But so do you do you teach absolute truth? There is no such thing as absolute truth. That in itself is an absolute truth. So <laughs> is it not? They, that, there are different you're, people's You're teaching humanism. And you're, you're teaching that man is a measure of, of all things. And it's not. There is absolute truth. You are teaching the religion of humanism. Relativism, yeah. moral relativism is your religion. Well, thank you, guys. We will talk to you again tomorrow.